Welcome to Just Ahead Podcast. My name is Adele Dujardin, a teacher turned life and leadership coach with a passion for helping others live a life that is happily theirs. Through interviews with folks five to ten years out of college, you will hear how they have carved out satisfying careers of all kinds. Here I speak with Kate Huffnagel to learn how after graduating Wake Forest University with a degree in political science, she is years later a program manager at BTS Coach, a strategy execution consulting firm in Chicago, Illinois. Enjoy. All right. So hello, Kate. Hi. Welcome and thank you for being here today. Thank you. So I just thought it'd be fun if we got started with you just giving a little bit of background information, like where you went to school and what you majored in, and uh, then we can hop into what you're up to now. Sure. So um, I went to undergrad at Wake Forest University, which is in North Carolina. I actually didn't want to go to college, and I had no idea what I wanted to do, what type of school I wanted to go to. So that was sort of happenstance that I went there. It ended up just being the best financial deal. And it actually had a really big impact on what I did after because Wake Forest has a really great network of alumni that really stick, um, stick their necks out for each other and kind of put in a good word and are very willing to be references. So um, from there, that's actually how I ended up getting my first job at CNFA, which is in agricultural development, international development based on agriculture. Okay. And so what, at, what had you majored in at Wake Forest? Oh, I majored in political science. Political and I double, I double minored in um, Spanish and Latin American studies. So it was sort of like a self-designed, holistic approach to setting myself up for some career in international spaces. Okay. Um, we didn't have an international relations major. So I, I kind of pieced together those three to give mm-hmm. that image mm-hmm. of myself. And for your summer positions, did you have anything that related to the international realm? Not really, actually. Um, just a little bit connected. Um, I did. I did some jobs just to earn money. So, like mm-hmm. working at restaurants. Yeah. And then I had a couple internships. One was I was sort of exploring the nonprofit space and kind of what direction I wanted to go in. All right, and then so then it came to graduating. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you made very good use of the Wake Forest network. I did. <laughs> and, and, you're, and you're laughing. Is it because you just like really, really, really did? Like what was that about? I'm laughing because I tried not to. Ah. <laughs> and I tried to go do my own thing. I kind of didn't know how to lean on a network. I, I was actually, I graduated in 2009 and I was looking for a job at the end of 2009, 2010. So it was like right after the recession hit and it was really hard to find a job. So I was living at home, thankfully just outside DC. So I had access to the city that I wanted to while not paying rent. Mm-hmm. But I was just applying to job after job after job yeah. and finding nothing, no leads. I also applied to be a Fulbright scholar mm-hmm. and I got, I didn't get accepted to my placement that I wanted. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm just going to work in restaurants forever. Right. And so and what kind of jobs had you been applying to? Oh gosh. Um, anything related to international development and like really, really broad spectrum. So like exchange okay. programs were my target, but really, really broad spectrum. Yeah. So you, you were quite flexible. I was. And yet not succeeding. And then it sounds like maybe you thought, oh, networking maybe is not such a bad idea. Yeah, and actually it was sort of um, lucky that someone reached out to me. So mm-hmm. this was a college roommate's boyfriend at the time. 
it was like a very like long chain. So mm-hmm. my college roommate's boyfriend's cousin or family friend, something like that, worked at this company. <laughs> and um, they were actually looking for a Portuguese speaker to move to Angola and wow. manage their office there. And I speak Portuguese based uh-huh. on some study abroad I did in college. So he reached out to me and was like, hey, you're the only Portuguese speaker I know. <laughs> you want to go interview for this job? And I started talking to them about it. It ended up not working out to get that particular job, but that was the organization that I got my first okay. professional job in my field because of the All connections right. there. All right. Yeah. So it was someone reaching out to you, someone who knew about your um, expertise. That's right. And so what was your first job exactly? So I was, I think the official title was a program coordinator for mm-hmm. um, a volunteer program. So this was a USAID funded program that sent mostly retired farmers, so people that had some depth of experience in the agricultural industry to different higher needs areas of the world Hmm. on this USAID funded short term consulting gig. It was like usually two or three weeks, we would send them there and they would work closely with farmers in that country Mm -hmm. on some specific skill or something that they wanted to bring some value add to what Mm -hmm. they were doing there. And how long did you stay there? Oh, gosh, probably about two years. Mm -hmm. In, in the same role? Yes. And what do you think you learned from that time, those two years? Well, there were actually a lot of changes that happened on my team mm-hmm. there. And there were a lot of learnings around my ability to flex as a professional. Immediately after I was hired, my program manager left and took another role. And that position stayed vacant for a while. So mm-hmm. right away, I was faced with a bit of uncertainty as to what yeah. my job would look like. Yeah. The functions of what I did shifted a bit from what mm-hmm. I was expecting. And I had to work with um, different stakeholders than what I might have expected to do just a few months in my first professional job. So yeah. my ability to flex had a big impact on my success okay. in that role. And I'm wondering if that's continued in your work life. A hundred percent. Totally has. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think I've worked anywhere that has had extensive stability. And luckily, I enjoy the change. But uh-huh. I think my early ability to kind of recognize change and to lean into it has had a yeah. really big impact on my, not just success, but happiness in where I've yeah. been. Yeah. Because it's just so constant, the change. Okay. So the change is constant and your ability to lean in has really been a key to your success. And do you feel like that it has something to do with who you are as a person or also your liberal arts education? You know, what, what, do, you, what do you attribute your ability to use this to your advantage? And actually, it sounds like enjoy it. I do think part of it is my personality. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of like change. Mm-hmm. But another part of it has been a conscious effort mm. to appreciate it and to find the good in things that might feel unstable or scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So kind of the ability to reframe to -hmm. something that I know is going to benefit me. Yeah. So I hear you almost saying, as opposed to feeling like you're the victim, like that something is happening to you, that you have no control over it. It's this idea of, well, there's something in here for me and I'm going to harness that to learn from or move forward or you see it as opportunity. Yeah, totally. Totally. And And how, like... I'm wondering how you made that happen with your coworkers or your bosses, you know, like how did you kind of maneuver that so you could really have that take off? 
You know, something I've actually been thinking about a lot is kind of how getting into like a decade of experience, how that approach differs from when Mm -hmm. I was very first Mm -hmm. in the professional space. Mm -hmm. So what it looked like at first was kind of saying yes to whatever opportunities there were. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. can you, this is something new for you. Yes, I would love to do it, love to learn Mm -hmm. it. And of course, asking for support where needed or being realistic with my work-life balance, but Mm -hmm. always being open to opportunities. And now, as I've had years of being able to do that and really taking advantage of just saying yes to whatever opportunities in front of me, now I've kind of been able to hone and selectively say yes to Mm. things that help me grow in the path I want to. Mm. Kind of maintaining that same lens, but really being aware of what I want to take from the experiences Mm -hmm. and then actually seeking out more opportunities that would allow me to grow in the space I want to. Okay. So being more, more deliberate, sounds like in the beginning, your lens was super wide. Yes to everything. I'm new to this. I'm not even sure what I want or what's going to, what's going to serve me well. Mm -hmm. And now having a better sense of that, you're, you're, you're more conscious of what you're saying. Yes. And so you're at that company for two years and then what? Then I left to pursue something that was actually my dream job. Mm -hmm. So I was working in agriculture, but I really, really wanted to work in education, something like international development and education. Mm -hmm. And I worked at the Inter-American Dialogue. I was really lucky to get a coveted position there. A similar role, I was probably a program manager, or excuse me, program coordinator, program assistant. And Um, a a nonprofit as well? That's right. And similarly, USAID funded. So I was working on their education program. It was the program for the reform of education in Latin America and the Caribbean. So it was a think tank and we did work. I I worked mostly in Central America, but we did a lot of work with our partners down there to either give them grants for certain education programs or organize different platforms for experts coming together to speak on education in the region. things like that. I loved it so much. Uh I had the exposure to Latin America, which is a region I really loved. Uh I worked for this amazing boss who helped me grow. I had awesome teammates who I'm still friends with today. Uh I really, really loved it. Um, The downside was was small, so there Mm -hmm. wasn't any room for me to grow um, outside of that role. And as an organization that was strictly USAID grant funded, Mm -hmm. I actually eventually ran out. And mm-hmm. where we, we ran out of funding and I had to make a choice. And I decided that's why I eventually left. But I loved that organization. Mm-hmm. And I still do. Mm-hmm. It was a great job. Okay. And so how, and how long were you there for? Just under two years. I think it was a year and eight months. All right. And so what did you do after that? So after that, I went to ASCD, mm-hmm. which is an education association mm-hmm. that had a much more domestic focus than what I had done before. Mm-hmm. I was there for a couple of years and then I transitioned into a different role that did a li- little bit more thought leadership on an education program. And that allowed me to get a bit more international in my scope. Mm. And when you transitioned, you know, what, what led to that? I think mm-hmm. I started to make it pretty obvious that I wanted something more international as well. Mm-hmm. It was very domestic okay. focused previously. And I kind of made it known that I sort of wanted to go in a different, a, a different direction. So you're your own advocate. But I will say that actually a big reason that I applied for that job or that mm-hmm. I even had the confidence to do that was mm-hmm. a colleague who kind of positioned herself as a sponsor to me and, and really advocated, let me know that I should 
to go out for it, be a little bit more vocal about what I wanted. Mm. Really grateful that she did that because I didn't really have the confidence to do that. I, you know, I saw the role, there was a position that was open and I kind of didn't know if I would have the guts to go for it. It really pushed me. Yeah. um, Which is super impactful. Yeah. So the fact that you had someone who served as a mentor and encouraged you to be more vocal with, with your desires for your own career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm just thinking too, for people who don't have someone who comes to them, you, you could have, or maybe you have in the future since that moment reached out to people, you know, have you grown in your ability to reach out and has that brought you things? Yeah, I have. So something that I've started doing now my current role is finding people who are maybe just one or two levels above me and developing Mm -hmm. mentor relationships with them, not with a specific need in mind, but just to learn from what they're doing and Mm -hmm. kind of let them know what I'm looking for. I was always really nervous that doing that would make my team or my boss think that I was looking to leave. And actually, I think it it paints me in a more positive light because it's showing my desire to grow in my role and to keep growing mm-hmm. in this organization. I'm not looking to get another job somewhere else. I actually want to yeah. keep growing here for a while. Yeah. And then probably puts you on their radar as to someone who like they might think of if they're making changes or expanding. Exactly. To include you just you. know what's going to come up or, or what right. ideas they have percolating that yeah. they need someone to help experiment with. And yeah. the more people that are aware of you know, my desires, my interests, and then also uh-huh. just my personality and what yes. I'm looking for in teammates, then the more opportunities will be opened up. Right. Yeah. I hear you almost talking kind of really about the humanness of the workplace yeah. As opposed to kind of this feeling of you're just there to do a job and not to speak out about your own needs and not to connect on kind of more of a less task oriented subject matter, you know, on the, on a personal growth level. Yeah. You and, know, in, in the job I have now, I work closely with clients and learning to build rapport was the biggest learning curve that I had. And I'm shocked at how it spills into every aspect of mm-hmm. my work. So exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying that, there's so much value gained from connecting with other people on the team and beyond mm-hmm. and just kind of creating that connection. You know, it opens up a lot of opportunities, but also just makes me enjoy work more. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're hardwired for that connection. We are. We so are. And between the job you were describing, which was the nonprofit for education within the United States mm-hmm. and the job you have now, are the, there are a lot of dots to fill in there or should we, Jump to, to what you do next. <laughs> That's, yeah, that was actually the transition. I didn't have any other jobs in between there. So I uh-huh. moved from the education nonprofit uh-huh. to the role I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And that was a little bit of a career shift for me. Mm-hmm. My partner and I decided to move to a new city. And we made that decision about a year before actually moving. So I, I actually had a luxury of a lot of time to reflect mm-hmm. and think about what I wanted to do next. Mm-hmm. before I could even look for jobs. I thought about what was important and that's actually the human aspect came up a lot mm. when I was prioritizing what I wanted to do. And I guess the human was, aspect, the human aspect in the sense of wanting to be part of a team or in a culture that really valued connection, you know, tell me a little bit more. Like how did you identify that? Like yourself, how did you articulate it and how did you know what you were looking at when you were checking out 
organizations? Well, so I was working at nonprofits consistently since graduating from college. I had just gotten my master's in social enterprise where I was exploring market-driven solutions to social needs and really started to question whether nonprofits were the be-all, end-all. So I did look outside of nonprofits and I was mm -hmm. starting to look at for-profit or private companies and mm -hmm. but knew that I needed some sort of team dynamic aspect that would tie me back to a bit of a, a semblance of a mission, even if it wasn't a totally mission-driven organization. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually did word it that way in the companies that I was talking to. I knew my skills that I was good at, I'm great at mm -hmm. program management, project management, I can organize people, I can talk to stakeholders, and that's spans across industries but then I got to be selective mm. about actually what type of work environment I wanted to be in I could do that mm -hmm. anywhere so I want to have a team that's going to support me that's going to uplift me I don't want it to be a cutthroat mm -hmm. space where I just dread coming into work every day I actually want to enjoy my time so you identified that and then how did you go about the search that you know did you research companies online look at the jobs available, then check out the companies. Yeah, it's, gosh, when I think about that broad lens I took right when graduating college, this was even broader, because uh -huh. I was like, oh my gosh, I could go anywhere. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> so um, I did apply to a lot of different, um, totally different industries, different jobs. I did consider nonprofits too. Mm -hmm. um, the job that I eventually took, I found it online. I found most of my jobs that I applied for online. I just couldn't have known what it would be like. It wasn't until speaking to people Mm. company that I started to hone what it might actually feel like and it really drove home to me the need to ask questions in interviews I think up until this recent job search I was always asking questions to impress the people that were interviewing mm. or to show them that I had done my research but I knew if they offered me a job I would take it I just wanted to take whatever job I could but this was the very first time yeah. they asked questions actually with the intention of learning and yeah. make my own decision about where I want right. to your questions were really about informing you if this was going to be the right fit yeah exactly exactly yeah, and I just love that distinction of asking the questions that would help you in your decision making as opposed to trying to impress yeah, it was quite a big shift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I could see why it would be. And also, I think you're just more likely to have a match. And, and in some ways, too, I'm wondering if in the interview, on some level, the person interviewing you picked up on that. You know, there's, a, there's an authenticity in that, um, that I would think someone doing the interviewing would be attracted to. Yeah, I think so. I feel really lucky for the organization I work at now because uh, one of the values that we have is big hearted and I see that in all of the interactions. So I do think my hiring manager did seek that out and yeah. valued that in my interview. And I, I hope that happens across all organizations because it totally should. It was, and do you remember some of the questions that you asked? Ooh, I don't actually. Okay. I don't think I do. Uh -huh. But they were around, it sounds like, mission, uh, culture. Yeah, probably things about like how I would be supported in growing. Probably, mm -hmm. You know what? I probably asked some questions about what, what happens when I mess up. Because mm -hmm. I'm going to. Everyone's mm -hmm. going to. And I need to know mm -hmm. that I'm going to be working in a space that allows me yeah. to grow and fail quickly and learn from mistakes and not make me feel like I can't be honest if yeah. I, if I need some support with something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And looking back, 
you know, between that younger self where you said you asked the questions to impress and, and now in, in this case you saying, you know, what happens if I mess up? Would, would you ask that bold question as, as I, I know you didn't have it in you, but do you think it's safe to ask those kinds of questions when you're that first year out f- trying to find your first job? I do think it's safe. I don't think anyone is going to look at that as a negative. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've actually interviewed quite a few people also now coming into more senior, more junior roles. Okay. And the only thing that doesn't land well to me is yeah. when they don't ask questions mm-hmm. or when there's not some sort of interest behind what they're asking. So you're saying the thing that turns you off when you're hiring is that there's just kind of a roteness to their okay. interview process, no questions. And what are, what are some things when you interview someone that you, you know, kind of like, ooh, wow, maybe we need to hire this person? <laughs> you know, I do work at a really unique space, but one <laughs> thing that I actually ask about and that I look for when I interview is ability to be vulnerable. Mm. Sometimes if I don't see that coming through in an interview, I will actually outright ask, when have you been vulnerable at work? And people interpret that a lot of different ways, but... I, I see it as a huge value of putting yourself out there. Like sometimes even just the interview process is the space yeah. to be vulnerable and the ability to name that yeah. is so important. But um, I like when people show up with vulnerability, but also proactivity. Mm. They, they show me kind of that connection that I was referencing, you know, the difference between just being willing to accept any job versus mm-hmm. actually being a fit. I like seeing that acknowledgement when the people that I'm interviewing too. Mm-hmm. So I would rather someone not just tell me, I think I've literally had someone say that they were interviewing because they just needed to pay the bills while they were working oh. on something that they liked more. <laughs> Whether or not that's true for a lot of yeah. people, I like to know yeah. that someone yeah. cares about what they're doing. Yeah. And so what is your role now? I'm a program manager with a strategy execution consulting company. So Mm -hmm. we work with big corporations uh, that have some sort of strategy and they need to align all their people around what that's going to look like. So Mm -hmm. I work specifically with our branch that does coaching, which I love. And it means that I work really closely with coaches that work with these organizations Mm -hmm. and they work with individuals to change their mindset to be more effective leaders. So actually pairing them with our coaches, collecting data, giving them feedback on the data, doing any escalations that we need to help mm-hmm. kind of address anything that might arise, but really kind of assessing how we're going along the way and making sure we're executing to the quality that we, mm-hmm. that we like. Mm-hmm. So hence the term project manager. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're helping it exist and thrive from start to finish. Yep, exactly. What are, what are, What's a highlight and then something you're like, meh, about your job? <laughs> Highlights, I, actually, I really love working with the people mm-hmm. that I get to meet. So that's the clients. Some mm-hmm. of my clients I work with so closely that they feel like colleagues, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool thing to do. But also my team is global itself. So we're a global company. Mm-hmm. And some of my favorite things to do are working with big global projects. Mm-hmm. If a client comes to us and they have sometimes thousands of people around the world and that's a pretty massive strategy. So I get to align with my colleagues in different regions and we get to jointly identify how we're going to be effective in doing this with them. Mm -hmm. And that global piece, you know, is something I really care about. So being able to talk with my colleagues around the world and learn from them, feels really, uh, it it fills my heart. 
And then I'm just curious about anything else you bring to make your work life interesting and then about work um, and home balance or work and play balance. Kind of two questions there. Um, you know, I'll speak to the second one first about um, work-life balance because I think that's such a tricky subject for a lot of people mm-hmm. to draw the lines of what is going to be my workspace and then what I'm going to reserve as sacred as my home space. And I'm not going to let work interfere with that mm-hmm. kind of a hard line to draw. And I actually think it's something I'm pretty good at. Mm-hmm. But I always encourage my colleagues and peers to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, something I always say is that I'm totally willing to put in long days, mm-hmm. work really long hours for a specific deliverable with the understanding that there's going to be a week where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And I really need to have that balance in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I'm able to be successful. You're not your best self if you work endlessly. Yeah, right. So it's important to me as an individual, but then also as someone who is a peer, it's important Mm -hmm. for me to set the stage and show that it's, I can still be really effective and I can put in the work Mm -hmm. and have good results, but I'm going to log off on the weekend and I'm going to enjoy my time with my family and that's Mm -hmm. okay. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and do you have any sense if someone's interviewing um, how they could differentiate if a culture is like uh, yours in the sense they support you in that? You know, I think I would actually just be forthright and ask mm-hmm. um, how is work-life balance prioritized mm-hmm. here? And I've definitely yeah. seen in my own interviews when I ask that people, yeah. some, you can kind of tell sometimes people yeah. are like, oh, um, you know, we'll do this and we'll try to like skirt around the answer or Hopefully they're really honest, but yeah. I, I think however the response is, I think that gives a pretty good description without giving an impression that I just want to take a lot of time off. And then the other question I was asking is, is, is at work and I'm, I'm going to, I'm asking it because I know you have started this diversity inclusion club mm-hmm. or group. So I'm just curious, just like if you can just say a few words, because I feel like what you're doing there at work is adding um, richness to your work experience. I had this moment a few months ago where I kind of had some space in my schedule, had kind of a light client load. My boss said, you know, this is a kind of gift. Take advantage of it because this comes along every now and then and doesn't always. Mm -hmm. But he challenged me to look at some spaces that I might want to consider growing into. Mm -hmm. Um, That was actually a separate conversation Mm -hmm. when totally independently, I started to realize that I was not impressed with our lack of a diversity and inclusion initiative at my company. So I went to him and said, you know, what are we doing about this? I'd love to see some movement. He hires people. He has peers that hire people. And I was surprised that he said, take it to HR. I'm sure they'd love to see it. (laughs) And then I did. I was surprised that HR said, cool, we (laughs) love employee led initiatives. So start a group. It's, they gave me the space to make with it what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's been so fulfilling to have this side project that doesn't Mm -hmm. directly relate to the outputs Mm -hmm. that I'm responsible for in my day to day, but it Mm -hmm. still positions me as a leader. I Mm -hmm. meet people from all across the company and we're doing this very employee led development of what do we want to see change in our diversity and inclusion initiatives in this company. It's been so interesting. And I just feel grateful that I allowed myself to take that space and to ask for you know, the opportunity to have some influence in something that I feel is hugely important and that I feel passionate about Mm -hmm. and that I was able to do with it what I wanted. So it's been a great group. We have a really good percentage of people across all of our companies in this, in the United States. 
Yeah. Really all of our offices. Um, we have three different offices in the United States and we have representation from each one mm-hmm. in our third month right now. And it's going great. Amazing. Yeah. And I see your big smile. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, like you, you acted on something that mattered to you and you're creating from that as opposed to sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what I hear you saying too reminds me that often when something matters to us, it matters to a lot of other people. True. Yeah. And so you're- yeah. And you know, sometimes I do, I feel like I just work at a corporation, even though it's big hearted and I love what I do. Sometimes I feel a little bit like, Oh, it's just another nine to five. And yeah. doing something like this has reminded me that it's not, hmm. I know mean, talking with people about things that I'm passionate about that actually make a significant difference hmm. in this, not just in our organization, but with everyone that we yeah. work with. And I'm seeing all the support. It reminds me there are big hearted people everywhere and we yeah. all have yeah. similar desires. We all want to make our workspaces in the world a better place. And yes. sometimes you just need an avenue to do that regardless of where we are coming from. Right. And I just hear too that, again, you're not saying, oh, this current position or this current corporation is not this, this, and this, so therefore I'm leaving. You're like, let me see what I can do here to even make it more aligned with what I'd like to be experiencing. Yeah, exactly. And there's ways to do that everywhere, Yeah, regardless of what role. Mm. You know, even in that very first job when I was working at a restaurant and wanted to work Mm. in international development, there's so many ways for me to even take that space that I felt like was very limited mm-hmm. and pay attention to, wow, I'm meeting so many cool people mm-hmm. here. That's really developing my skills and talking to, I don't know, like different levels of leaders and companies that I meet when they're coming in for business lunches or diplomats that come in for lunch with their clients. Like there's mm-hmm. so many different ways to take advantage of opportunities. Yeah. So, and that's what I wanted to end on is, is advice that you've, you know, now have to impart to people who are just starting out. And I would, something that I would totally advise to anyone is just to own your own development. I think you can really look at a job as something that's just, you just have to grind day to day, or you can be excited about your ability to grow as a person and just kind of seek mm-hmm. out any way to do that through work. You know, I love working with people. And so I would feel really lucky to work on a team, but some people like working individually and you can do the exact same thing there. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I would just say seek out opportunities to grow for yourself Mm -hmm. and, and then don't be shy to ask for that. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been fun. Yeah. And I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Just Ahead. Be sure to rate and subscribe our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more about me, visit my website at www.agoodlife.coach or follow me on Instagram at agoodlife.coach. Join us again next week to hear more folks share the practical and inspirational around their working lives post-college.